Thank you very much. It's always appreciated. Um, sounding a bit more like a frog as the later the day goes on. <clears throat> I did both services this morning. And the problem is uh, on, on days like this when I'm preaching, well, it's here, other places, and it's multiple times. I, you know, they tell you if you're doing that speaking multiple times in a day, you shouldn't be singing in between. You shouldn't be pushing in worship. You shouldn't refrain, hold back. Your voice needs to, to recoup. I can't help it, though. I, got, I get in worship. I can't help but sing, you know? So usually on days like this where I'm singing, it's like I'm singing and worshiping all day and preaching all day. By tomorrow, I'll really sound like a frog, you know? <laughs> but uh, we're going to have some fun tonight. I'm excited by tonight. Um, I came home. I went home this afternoon after this morning's preach. Uh, if you didn't, if you weren't here this morning, I'd encourage you to go back and download that. Uh, you, you'll have a, a spelling bee lesson, a 19-letter Greek words we looked at this morning. Uh, the word is, um, what was the word, George? Enikaphalias <laughs> to Okay, it's a 19-letter Greek word. Basically, means to sum up all things under Jesus. We had excited by that, and it really had to do with your individual story, how your story of life plays out. Uh, but tonight we're going to look at a little different something in Ephesians chapter 3 as well. Uh, we're going to look at the, down at the bottom parts of Ephesians chapter 3 where Paul goes into the prayer. In the very bottom of the prayer, uh, Paul says this. He says, um, now to him who is able to do, in verse 20, now him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think or according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever." Endeavor. Oh, sorry. I missed the part I'm actually preaching from tonight. Up a bit higher. <laughs> um, well, verse starting 14. Um, For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every prayer, every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I want to hang there tonight. The idea of us being filled with all the fullness of the Father. I went home this afternoon, and I was kind of going back to my I came, went straight home, and, and uh, sat down at the table, opened the computer, opened the Bible, the books and everything, going to just touch up the mesh a little bit, make sure we're ready for tonight. And I was looking at this, I'm going, this is not working, it's not, it's, not, it's not grabbing me, there's no faith in this space, where is this stuff? And I was wrestling, and couldn't get it to work. After about an hour or so doing that, I realized I was just exhausted, I was tired. So I went upstairs, and, I, and uh, I threw a couple of messages on YouTube there, and I was going to watch some YouTube, and it was within a few moments I was asleep. And the last words I remember hearing were Francis Chan. He was preaching somewhere, and he was saying how he didn't know what to preach and didn't want sure what to preach tonight. And Francis Chan, as I drifted off to sleep, I remember hearing Francis Chan saying, and he loves you. <laughs> and that's what I fell asleep to, and he loves you. I woke up a little bit later. I got up, and as soon as I woke up, I thought, there's some things happening here. And I quickly did some research, looked at a couple of things. I ran downstairs. And the last hour, literally before I showed up here tonight, I put the message together because I felt God's wanting to say something around the fact that He loves us, the fact that, that many people in life feel like they're sinking. Life is crushing in on you and you feel like you're sinking circumstantially, relationally, financially, uh, emotionally, health-wise. You feel like you're sinking. We're not making it. I don't know about now, but the last statistic I heard uh, back in November of last year, 2000, what was it, 2018? Uh, in November 2018, 73% of South Africans were at least one month behind on their car payment. I'm sinking! 
involved in the business space. I hear businesses every day struggling to make it. And in places where they are making it, places where the economy is great, let's say America, the economy is booming right now. Yet more than 70% of Americans couldn't take a $500 hit to their monthly budget. It would put them under, living paycheck to paycheck. I'm sinking. The whole world is screaming out, I'm sinking. But the question is, what are you sinking into? What are you sinking into? You see, we are called to be the family of God. Now, if I can speak as a father, maybe I may be taking a bit of liberty tonight, but I'm going to speak as a father in this house tonight, okay? The gray hair says I can, okay? (laughs) But as a father, I want to say to you this. In a westernized world, which most of us are coming from that background, it is, it is a very individualistic background we come from. And we have this idea which has been around for the last uh, approximately, not quite 100 years, the fact that you have a personal relationship with Jesus. We have a very individualistic style of faith in the Western world. In our modern culture, many younger people are dropping out of the context of a gathering of church people like this, a gathering of family and faith like this, because I've got Jesus, that's all I need. And this morning we spoke about how there is an individual nature to your relationship, yes. But this whole idea of saying an individual prayer, asking Jesus into your life, let's say. Asking Jesus into your heart, saying the sinner's prayer. Those things only came around in the last hundred years, actually the last 80 years or so. The sinner's prayer only came to be uh, by a guy named D.L. Moody. Used it during his revival meetings. That was his style of evangelism. And he taught taught it to all his evangelistic workers. And that was carried over into Campus Crusade for Christ, the four spiritual laws. They began using that individualistic style of leading people to Jesus. George Fuller, he had a radio program. At one time, it was reaching a large majority of the world that had radios. And they calculate at the time of his radio program playing that several thousand times he used the the words personal relationship with Jesus. And it put this idea into the Western world's idea of theology of a personal relationship with Jesus, that you personally have a relationship with Jesus. In one sense, that's true. Yes, there's a personal nature to it. But that was never the intent or purpose behind the gospel. When you invite, when you in, uh, introduce your friend to someone, you say, hey, this is my personal friend, Tom. No, this is my friend, Tom. Okay, it's not my personal friend, it's my friend, Tom. But we say, I'm going to introduce you to my, a personal relationship with Jesus. What other kind of relationship can you have, by the way? <laughs> but there is this idea of a collective, that there's something bigger than the personal nature of Jesus playing out in our faith. And as a follower, I want to say... I want to encourage us, be very, very cautious and careful to neglect the gathering together of the saints. Now, I'm the same guy who preaches, hey, if you're the best place you connect on is the back line of a surf, at a surfboard, and that's where you hear the Father of the Clear, so you need to do that on a regular basis. Even if it means you miss a Sunday meeting from time to time to connect with the Father, absolutely. I personally tend to connect better with the Father out in nature, uh, usually snorkeling on some reef somewhere, so I hear the Father the most clear, than I do in a meeting like this. Having said that, there's something special that happens in a meeting like this that doesn't happen, that cannot happen anywhere else. There's a collective nature to our faith. If we look in this verse again, Being filled with the fullness of the Father. The very last part of verse 19. 
that to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That filled with all the fullness. The word filled there literally means to cram it full. Stuff it as hard, just cram it and get in there. Fill it as full as it can get. And then filled with the fullness means that it has been filled. <laughs> it's as full as it can get. You can't get any more in. That filled with the fullness, that fullness of God is only used in two places in Scripture. This place and one other in the New Testament. Happens to be in Ephesians. Happens to be Ephesians 1.23. If you look at Ephesians 1.23, it says this, start in verse 22. And in this age, but also in the one to come, and he put all things under his feet and gave him head over all things, meaning Jesus, to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. His body, meaning the church, is the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church, the body collectively, is the fullness that fills all in all. It's only in the collective gathering together that we express, that we experience the fullness of being filled by the Father. Now we're going to look at something a bit later that scientists call emergent phenomena. I won't get into details just yet. But I want to paint a few pictures for you tonight to understand, help you understand how connected we really are to one another. To create this massive bowl, if you will, to be filled by the Father collectively. And how much more can happen when we gather together collectively versus when we're trying to live our faith individualistically. And then I want us to go into a time of worship and let's express ourselves collectively and see what the Father will do. Can we do that? So be very careful, again, as I said earlier, of, of saying, ah, oh, we don't need church. We don't need to gather together. Be very careful, because if you do that, you're missing the fullness. You can have an expression of faith, yes, but according to this scripture right here, you'll be missing the fullness of the Father without gathering together collectively. So how are we connected together? Why is it so important to gather together like this regularly? Well, interestingly, even scientifically, we are much more connected than you realize, not just to each other, but even to the very universe that we live in. <clears throat> Traverse through the great unknown, not alone, his body, the fullness of him who fills all. We are that fullness, but we're connected together in a very scientific way. We're doing science lessons tonight, okay? Get your pens, notebooks out, there's an exam later on. <laughs> Our hearts are connected even at the molecular level. You see, there's this stuff in your blood. Your hearts are pumping right now. Everybody in this room, your heart is pumping, correct? If it's not, we have another issue. We can pray for it right now, okay? We can sort that out quick. Healing, Jesus' name. Your heart is pumping. The reason your heart has to pump, has to pump blood through your body. So it carries this molecule called hemoglobin through your body. Hemoglobin is a molecule which carries another set of molecules called oxygen molecules, Right? But the only way it can carry the oxygen molecules around is another smaller molecule inside the hemoglobin molecule called a HIDBNA. The HIDBNA molecule has a single molecule, single atom, single piece of iron. And iron makes it possible to carry the oxygen. Without the iron molecule, you cannot carry oxygen through your blood. So we have hemoglobin, HIDBNA, a little bit of iron right there. And that tiny little bit of iron, it makes it possible for the hemoglobin to carry oxygen throughout your body. 
Every single one of us. So what? It's pretty amazing, but so what, Dad? And well, scientists tell us that iron actually doesn't occur naturally on its own in our universe. The only way you get iron is when stars, when galaxies, when stars collide. When supernovas explode, basically. And collide together. That's where those massive explosions with stars colliding and exploding, that's where iron comes from. That's where it's made. That's how it's made. It's the only way to make it from nothing. But if that's not enough, so you say, great, it's made from galaxies colliding or stars exploding, but who cares if stars are exploding? Why would stars explode like that? Because galaxies are colliding. Galaxies collide. There's a picture here from the Hubble telescope of some galaxies collide, going through the colliding process. And the first one, the second one, the third one, down to the four, number five, number six, where a whole two galaxies have fully collided together and numerous, hundreds of thousands of stars have collided and exploded, which have produced little molecules called iron, which are flowing through your blood right now to help you carry oxygen. The fullness of the Father. The fullness of the Father. But you say, but how do those galaxies, I and mean, what would possibly cause those galaxies to, to, to move like that? Why would a galaxy, not a star, a galaxy, like our whole Milky Way galaxy, hundreds of thousands of stars swirling around, forming a galaxy, right? Why would they even begin to move? Good question you ask. This picture is a picture of what they call the Nakia. Nakia. It's a Hawaiian word meaning the immeasurable heaven. Those, those little dots, each of those little dots are a galaxy. And the lines are not light from the galaxies themselves. The lines are the patterns, the, the trajectory which those galaxies will traverse over a period of time. So each of those lines is a, is a trajectory of a, of, a, of a galaxy traveling through space and how this, this gravitational pull creates this gravitational dance of galaxies causing them to collide together. If you see the little red dot there, that's our galaxy. You are here, right there. And over time, this gravitational pull caused this dance to happen, the immeasurable heaven to swirl around and galaxies to collide, stars to explode, creates iron, which ultimately gets in your and my little cells to carry oxygen through our system. The fullness of the Father. She can't do this on her own. Even in nature, it's not individualistic little thing. Everything works together. And then when you think how to figure it out, it's something even bigger. It's a few molecules. Oh, we got to figure it out. Bit of iron on earth. Where'd the iron come from? Oh, stars colliding, exploding. Oh, wow. Where'd the stars collide and explode from? Galaxies crashing. Where's it come from? Oh, the immeasurable heaven. And we can go further and further. All that so you and I can breathe and live together in this room right now. Galaxies have collided. Stars have exploded so you can breathe right now. So your heart can be alive. The fullness of the Father expressed in our bigger collective, including the universe. I mentioned earlier about this thing called emergent uh, phenomena. Now, emergent phenomena is simply this. Emergent phenomena is when you get multiple things together, and when they come together and work together, they form something which is greater. So the sum of the, so the, sum of the whole is greater than all its parts individualistically. That's what an emergent phenomena is. Okay? Sounds cool, Adam. What is it? Well, it's actually 
when birds flock and fly together. You ever seen when birds flock and fly together, how they swoosh around all over the place? Each individual bird flying its individual little life, but somehow they come together and they flock and they do this beautiful dance intertwined, absolutely glorious. And the question always comes, how do they not crash into each other? How do they actually not just <laughs> like die bombing birds dying dead everywhere, you know? I mean, really, if I think about it, how would we operate like that? What's been amazing is scientists have studied this now. They put these little brain monitors on these birds. How do they do that? I don't know. But these little brain monitors on these birds, put them in the flocks, and they're flying around. When a bird flies individualistically and it wants to go left, the brain sends a signal, and it tweaks left, and it goes left. Tweaks right, and it goes right. They can monitor brain activity with a direct correlation of the direction up, down, right, and left that they're going. They can see that pattern playing out. When they put those same birds into a flock pattern like this, flying around, there is no brain activity to tell them go up, down, right, and left. That something mysterious, almost magical happens, and the collective padding, uh, flying together of these birds, it's not a single brain operating, but it's as though all the birds operating under a single mind. And they're able to fly these patterns. Watch. Watch. You can see it like it's a creature on its own doing this incredible dance. No one bird orchestrating it. That is emergent phenomena. The collective producing something greater than each individual could. Now we've just seen in Scripture that in order to experience the fullness of the Father, that yes, we can have our little own flight pass and having a great little day and see God's provision, and it's amazing and wonderful, yes, but how much more when we come together that we can experience the fullness of the Father. Being connected to an infinite universe the very molecules that are inside your body right now. The fact that we come together and something more expressive happens. That's all the science, the technical stuff behind it. But what about this? What about just a couple stories? A number of years ago, I was traveling around with some friends of mine, and uh, we were, uh, had gone over some mountains into a, this little church in a little country area in North Carolina. We would call it, we were visiting the church in the holler which means the back end of a valley, basically. It's a little country church. We'd have a series of revival meetings. It's good old Baptist churches do in that space, you know, where you meet several nights in a week, and basically it means lots of good preaching. That's all it means, really, you know? And lots of people get saved, pretty much. And uh, had these series of meetings, and we're coming back across the mountain. It was late at night, and we're at the peak of the mountains, and one of this guy, named, uh, a friend of ours named Den Parker. Den's a big guy, and uh, Den's got this real southern uh, South Carolina accent. And we're driving across the top off of this mountain. It's probably about 1 o'clock in the morning. We're tired. There's about five or six of us in, in the car, five of us in one car and two or three in the other car. And he says, boys, 
Boys, I think we need to stop at the top of the mountain and just marvel at the goodness of God. We're like, Dan, we're tired, buddy. You can marvel all you want. I'm ready for bed, you know? <laughs> we were tired. We are exhausted from the meetings and everything. No, boys, I think God's going to do something special tonight, as you would say in his accent. God's going to do something special tonight, and we're going to get on top of this mountain, and we're just going to see what God's doing. So we pull into this overview parking lot, and we look out over the, the edge of the mountain there, and on the top, and you can see just for kilometers and kilometers, you can see the cities just rolled out way down there in front of you, and incredible view, beautiful night sky, stars shining. We're good Baptist boys. You know, we don't do this Holy Spirit thing a whole lot, all right? We believe in him, but, you know, he's over there somewhere, okay? And we're standing around, and we're like, that's amazing. Oh, this is cool. Yeah, this is cool, okay? It's getting a bit colder here now, though. It's time to go. Dan's like, no, boys, this is not good enough just to marvel at it. He goes, there's something, there's something special when we come together like this, and we get to pray together, and we get to worship together on top of a mountain. I just believe there's something special about it. Okay, then, what do you want to do? I think we need to gather around and just hold hands and just worship a bit. So we all gather around and we start kind of worshiping and thank you, Jesus, and praying and singing a few songs. And, and uh, then it says, boys, boys, I think, you know, sometimes we, we just need to test God a little bit just to make sure he's around, you know. So I think we need to, I think we need to ask God just to blow a bit of fresh breeze into our face to let, that he know his presence is here. They blow his breeze right into our face. So let's just all face over the top of the mountain, look over the city, and just ask God to blow the wind into our face. So, okay, well, we stand around there, and we stand there for a minute or two, nothing, nothing, and the breeze goes, Do you feel it? I feel that. You feel, I feel it too. I, I feel pretty cool, all right. Boys, that's not good enough, because that, that could have just been the weather. That could have been an eagle flying by or something, you know? He said, if I believe it's really Jesus, really God, then, then we need to turn around and face the opposite direction into the mountain and ask God to blow his spirit into our face again. Ah, right, you got the faith, big boy. Let's go do it, you know? So we turn around, and we all held hands, and we started praying and worshiping, and the wind blew into our face. <laughs> You're getting some Baptist boys excited now, right? <laughs> and we're all shouting and excited. Yeah, Jesus, hallelujah. We're going for it. Good southern jigs happening. And he finally said, boys, boys, calm down. He said, he said God ain't shown us nothing yet. He said, we need to gather around in a circle. We need to form a little circle right here. And God's blown from the right side and God's blowing from the left side. But if it's truly the God that we know and we worship, it's truly Jesus and His Spirit's here with us, He goes, then the Holy Spirit can breathe from inside the circle in all of our faces at the same time. You turn it up, flipping charismatic guy now, aren't you? We need to go Pentecostal, you know? All right, well, we gather around and we got a circle. We start singing and worship. It was about a minute or two. And suddenly we felt this puff of air go right up through the middle of the circle. That was it. You lost us for the next half hour. Incredible moments. And when I think back of those moments like that happened in my life where I saw God do incredible phenomena like that, incredible miracles taking place, it was in moments where we gathered together collectively. Because if I'd have been traveling across that mountain by myself in that night, there would have been no emergent phenomena. I would have drove on across the mountain and went on home and went to bed. And it wasn't just Din, because Din probably wouldn't have, have pushed us in faith if he had been driving across the mountain by himself. But there's something of us gathering together collectively and saying, we are believing in faith. We are collectively standing, collectively standing in faith, trusting God that you will move among us. Even as good Baptist boys who aren't really sure about this Holy Spirit thing, we know you're our Father. And God moves and things happen. A number of years ago, 
late 90s, 96, 97, 98, somewhere around there. There's a conference here in South Africa, in Bloemfontein, South Africa. There's about 4,000 people in an auditorium, and we were worshiping. I remember being down front with a bunch of young people. And the first part of the worship, as big conferences like that usually are, you know, just losing yourself a bit. Then the worship starts to, we start singing and moving. And, and generally it's like, you know, worship for about a half an hour, then somebody preaches. And worship for half an hour, and somebody preaches. And we went beyond the half hour mark, and the 45 minute mark, and the hour mark, and then hour and a half, and two hours, three hours. Ended up being, we worship from the time it started that morning about nine until one o'clock, just worship. 4,000 people. In that moment, collectively gathered together, something of the fullness of the Father, I don't know how to explain it, emergent phenomenon, as science would say. Something of the collective fullness of the Father rested in that space, rested in that atmosphere, and people are ways of expression of His love being poured out. There'd be moments where you're just weeping because you felt so incredibly loved to moments of shouting because you're excited by His love. And there was one precious moment which I'll never forget in my life. We're in that auditorium and people are singing and it gets deathly quiet, incredibly still. 4,000 people, you don't hear a cough, you don't hear a whisper, you don't hear something dropping, nothing. 4,000 people, silent. Standing in silence. Waiting with anticipation, knowing God is doing something. In that silence, you begin to hear singing. Not from here, the 4,000 people, but from the roof where there were no people. Singing began to happen. And nobody here started to sing. We just listened. And as the singing happened, it's like, literally it's like it was being poured out upon us. Literally angels were singing over that environment. 4,000 people heard that. Not one, not two. 4,000 people. Angels sang and we heard the singing. I'll never forget it because the rest of the day I could not speak. Literally I couldn't speak. We'd walk out and somebody say, that was amazing. <laughs> I could not even talk. I was so moved because the fullness of the Father being poured out when we gather together collectively. Every incredible, miraculous, off-the-charts healing that I've seen hasn't happened when one-on-one's been praying for someone, although healings can happen there Absolutely. And I don't want to degrade that. But every incredible, phenomenal miracle that I can see, people getting out of wheelchairs, blind seeing, deaf hearing, limbs growing, every single one which I've seen, every single time, has happened in a group of collective, where collectively we're believing for more from the Father, believing for His fullness to be expressed among us. Because there is something mystical, if you will. When we gather together collectively, and worship Him. Being filled with the fullness of the Father. From the stars colliding in the universe to individuals' lives being touched, there's something bigger playing out when we're in a room like this together. The question is, what are you sinking into? When life is pressing in, when it's getting difficult and hard, do you stay home and go, ah, oh, just, I'm just tired, it's too hard. I don't feel like going. That's the time you need to be pushing in. When you come here on a Sunday morning, night, week, whenever it is, and a collective group of people are gathered together to worship, are you standing there going, yeah, yeah, whatever? Are you sinking into His presence? You're going to sink one way or the other. 
You're going to sink through life. Circumstances are going to sink into his presence in a collective environment like this and see miraculous come forward. The fullness of the Father expressed, only place we can see it, is in his body, the church. The question is, as we begin to worship now again in a few moments, what are you going to do? Where are you going to sink into? The difficulties of the week, the tasks that lie ahead, or will you simply say, you know what? I'm going to rest right here in his presence. I'm going to sink into his presence and trust God for something of the miraculous, something of an emergent phenomenon, as science would say, something special to happen among us. Because I know when we gather together, faith rises, God responds. Filled with the fullness of the Father. What are you sinking into? What are you sinking into? Can I ask the worship team to go ahead and come up, please? I'm going to ask that we, in just a moment, stand and we're going to begin worshiping again. And the worship before, uh, the, the, the beginning part of the service was, uh, was for me, it was rich and deep. And I think we need to go back into that kind of space. And in this space, it's not about necessarily what I'm needing. It's about just him and his presence. See, when the birds are flying, it's not about them going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what do I need? No, no, watch out, watch out, I got space coming through. No, no, the birds are just going, hey, we're just cruising. We're just cruising. And so when you worship in that space tonight, I want you to think as we begin worshiping now, don't think about your needing this week, what the difficulties are, what the doctors have said, what the bank account said. Don't worry about those things and begin sinking into his presence. I'm just going to cruise. I'm going to cruise, I'm going to fly, and, and we as a, as a group are going to or- see God orchestrate to move in and out, up and down, right and left, and let's see what the Father will do among us. I've got faith that He wants to do some amazing things, not just tonight, but in the weeks and days and months ahead, He wants to begin opening us up to greater and greater realities as we come together, but only if we're willing to take the next step. Can we ask you to stand, please? Being filled the fullness of the Father, dipping your toe into the immeasurable heaven, flying together in unison, not thinking about it, just soaring on the wind of His Spirit. The worship team is going to begin playing, and I want us to worship. Father, I thank you right now that you have called us to this place in this time. That tonight as we lift you up, that you would be seated upon our praises tonight. That your presence would rest among us. That somehow the bigness of the universe that you contained inside of every one of our cells would be expressed through your presence manifesting and showing. That we would rest and sink deeply into you tonight. Sink deeply into the fullness of you, Father. That we may see and experience the fullness of of our God in heaven.